welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking, out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind, and our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. We're like these robotic machines that are walking around, like constantly just chasing like uh, these like false perceptions. And then um, you walk in, and it's like all these robots are like um, getting these like fixes of like the dolphins, like looking at all these products. And it's like the machine, like <laughs> shiny, red, shiny, bright, shiny. Must buy female must. food. <laughs> must buy product. Will change my life for better. <laughs> bothering you <laughs> and he goes Bruce Lee just turns her and looks at him and goes don't waste yourself <laughs> and the guy goes um, watch your style and uh, Bruce Lee goes my style it's ca- it's called the art of fighting without fighting <laughs> and then this guy goes um, the art of fighting without fighting show me some and Bruce looks at him okay don't you think we need a bit more room and the guy goes where else? And, you go, and Bruce Lee points at this island and goes, That island! On a beach. We can take this boat. <laughs> hey, what is up everyone? People everywhere are waking up thanks to open information sharing via the internet. And more and more people are realising that the individuals that currently govern our world do not serve the majority. The deconstruction of the environment banker bailouts, the corporate profiting, the growth of the growing of national debt of many countries, the governments and corporations spying on people, all these symptoms are of a dying system. And these governmental and corporate entities are not willing to adapt to the exponential growth of new ideas and new technologies that will enable conscious growth of this planet. These systems that currently govern our decisions and choices simply cannot survive for much longer. A revolution is imminent. A real revolution. In this episode, we talk about this coming revolution. And before you guys get carried away, we're not talking about the revolution where you go on the streets and you fight with people. Who would you fight? Your own fellow brothers and sisters? This war is a war of the mind, a psychological war, And as Sun Tzu says in the book, The Art of War, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. And that is why in this episode, we discuss the art of war without fighting. But before we jump in with this thing, it would be so cool if you guys could help us spread this podcast by telling your friends and family and anyone else and help more people find this thing. So anyway, without further ado, The Art of War Without Fighting. Enjoy. ready to do this ready as ever so people are waking up all over the world to alternative thinking to alternative ideas people are realizing that the individuals that currently govern our world do not serve the majority in my opinion (laughs) i think in many people's opinion in many different areas and something i want to bring up with you actually right was have you seen the um 
I know you have obviously seen the latest movement, you know, with the Dakota pipeline. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really interesting because obviously I'm not going to go right into, too much into that and explain what's going on because I think a lot of people know what the whole sort of scenario is behind that about how the people are actually standing up against fighting against the, the pipeline being put in it through their own community. Yeah. But it's interesting because what I think very good about that is that people are actually um, stepping up and acting is a movement in the real decision makers. And it seems to me that people are actually now realising that people have the power. Yeah, no. People actually... I think people, ever since the idea of first idea of protesting, have always believed that a people person can make a difference. But a united team of individuals can really change something. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're after pushing forward now. See what I like about that as well, though. Actually, that's transcending over to other people as well, that what they're doing, other people can do that as well in other situations. And what I like about that as well, it gives, it's sort of like saying to the people now and giving back, giving the power back to the people and giving the empowerment back to the people as well. And actually, in a way, it's disempowering these um, the institutions that's putting these things in place that really don't have the people's um, best, interest. best interests in place. Yeah, yeah, you're right. A lot, of, but that's so much in all of society. Really, like, like the, the individual is more of a, just a, a customer. And a consumer than than they are, an actual necessary product. Like we need to look at the individual as being the essence of everything. We need um, companies need to care for that individual, put safety first instead of profit. And these are processes. These are um, processes that should have been put in place a long time ago. But these these processes now are the process that's going to come through when the people actually realise that, like I said before, we have the power. And when more people start like spreading truth all over the world and saying, "Oh, they're doing this, they're standing up, they've they've won their cause there," that's mm. going to spread to other people. But it's interesting because I was thinking about this. We've actually, as a human race on this planet, we've actually bought into the idea that we have to like serve the institutions, and we and we don't need to do that. And that's what obviously the the quarter pipeline people are realising that they actually they don't have to like. Just go along with what the institutions are saying. They can actually be their own power, be their mm-hmm. own force, and that's what they're doing. Because it's interesting because we, us as a people on this planet now, for like over the last, especially the last 20, 30 years in this time, mm-hmm. like I said before, we give our power away to the institutions. But they, we actually maintain that system in our mind because we actually think if we go against the system, you know, chaos will break out over the, over the planet. Mm-hmm. But I was actually thinking about this. It already seems to me that the institutions are in place and we're giving our power away to them. Yeah. And chaos is already spreading out all through the world. And it might not be in like your back door, might not be in my back door, but if you think about like a five year old kid and you go to Afghanistan or Libya, chaos is already in their backyard yeah. and the institutions are the ones who are pulling all the strings on the planet now. So chaos is already on our front door. It's like that expression says, um Armageddon's already here. Just it's not just you can't see it. And I love that expression. And you're exactly right, Dan, it is. It's happening all over. Like in Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, these are areas right now which which are actually being shown on the news. But what are we truly seeing? Are, are we really seeing like the truth of what's going on? Are we really seeing every single person's heartbreak and every single person's sorrow right there in that in that twenty second clip that we see on the TV? You are not. There's so much more like pain and anguish that we're not seeing. This whole that whole world is completely changing forever. Do you mean like the videos where you see like the videos of like um like these charity sort of seeing like kids starving and things like that? Is that what you mean? Like, um, just news articles, you know, when the reporter's there and it's showing you like he's doing an interview, but the reporter's probably in a safe zone 
just outside of it, yeah, yeah. talking to the person who's come from it. But we're not truly seeing like like what's going on in their moments. You're not seeing the person who's just lost his family by by rebels shooting them in the head or or a government actually taking away um other soldiers. It's at the whole scenario is it, we're blind to it. We don't know this whole workings on of every situation. See, the main the mainstream media is always set up to do things like that to hide the hide the real truth and and always give it always gives one sort of perception to hide hide a different perception. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because the world that we're living in now, even some people in these like third world countries who are going through all this terror, actually also have access to the internet as well. I mean, look at Egypt. What was happening in Egypt? They could actually sort of uh, when they were when they were trying to take down the president and all the president's armed force, forces and the police were actually trying, like, were shooting the people and things like that, mm-hmm. the people in Egypt could actually video on the phones. And I actually seen the scenario in, um, I think it was in Afghanistan or, uh, Afghanistan or Libya, where there was a child in school and the, uh, the bombs were dropping over the, right near the school. And that, a child actually had a mobile phone and was footage and how close the bombs were actually when they were just learning in school. And that send obviously shockwaves through my body, thinking like, "What the hell's going on? This isn't right." Ah, oh, Stephanie. Right. But it's interesting because when we actually do, when you do start, and uh, people have access to the internet, that also can empower people to to take to um, to realize in the mind that things need to change, and that whole that whole thing can actually empower a whole global society to come together just by some one person videoing videoing like what's really going on. Mm-hmm. It sparks something in people's minds to actually think. No, I'm not taking this. Let's stand up against it. The thing is, it is sparking a lot in people's minds, but a lot of people are actually being blindsided by other alternative views. Mm-hmm. Like when they see um, images of what's happening in Syria, mm-hmm. but then they see other news articles showing them like Syrians stealing your jobs or yeah. like refugees stealing your jobs, and it's like they, your jobs. <laughs> Whose jobs are these really? Mm-hmm. Like. And then you get like, this builds up fascism. This builds up the idea of like, ours, mine. We become this like childish, spoiled brat where it's, these are my toys, these are my jobs. Mm-hmm. But just like in life, we have to learn the, the ability to share. Like, Earth has been given like to the people. So I was actually thinking about this. Um, imagine like if an alien race was looking down at the planet. Mm-hmm. And they were looking at the position that we are on the planet now, where we're sort of on the cusp of like making a change and things are changing in the world. I was actually thinking, but they might actually think that, that the position that we're in now and looking at the people as a, as a full, we just didn't struggle enough. Just like the, the quarter pipeline, they, they've struggled at loads and they've pushed something through. That's a real positive message. But I was actually thinking maybe an alien race would look at the rest of the population now on the planet and just think they didn't. Give that final push, the push that was should have needed to get it over the line. Yeah, I think like the real change. I think you're definitely right there, like Dan. I think, I think as well, like the, when you're talking about Dakota Pipeline, if aliens were monitoring that incident, um, independently, like just was just monitoring that one incident, they'd see so much diversion, like so much division between, like who's right and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, is is it that black and white? Can we? Can we describe it to the aliens? You know what I mean. I think they would, they would see it as hope, though. That's a that's a good oh, point. Oh yeah, because when everyone looks at that from an outside perspective, you see it as hope, don't you? But then they'd see like aliens, though. They wouldn't really see two different sides of a, of a, of a, um of the coin. They just see the coin. So basically, they wouldn't see a heads or a tails. They just see humans battling it out over something so trivial. 
You know what I mean? Depends how understandable we're of, of a human language, though. Like, if they weren't understandable of human language, they would just see Earth as a fungus, wouldn't they? Like, they wouldn't look at people's identities, religion, yeah. anything like that. But if they were, under, like, understandable of language, they would actually realise and they would be able to, like, decipher what is really going on, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because um, when we're talking there about, when I was talking there about how um, how the, the human race now is on this cusp of, like, it, we can go either one way and one this cusp of a change. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a quote by, I've told you this before, but there's a quote by um, Werner Heisenberg and he had that famous conversation with uh, Albert Einstein and he was talking about how in the West we've built these like large, uh, beautiful ships and had, has all these comforts. Mm-hmm. But the only thing it's mi- missing is a compass and doesn't know where it's going. And it's really interesting because you can stand back and look at this planet and you can see we have all the money, we have all this like power of all this medical industries, all this medical understanding, and we have all the scientific know-how, right? And we have all this knowledge to, cru- uh, to create this like kind of human paradise for everyone, but we're still just not there yet. Yeah, no. I think as well, though, Dan. Like when, when we're going back to um, like aliens looking down, I, I don't want to overlook this because I think it's just it's such a powerful topic. It does actually make you wonder, like, what these aliens would actually think of us, and. Not in just like one example of like the Dakota Pipeline, but in overall sense, and they would actually see like how everyone's lives are living. They'd see people poisoning their own food and eating it. They'd people see them poisoning their own bodies with alcohol, and they'd be like, "What are you doing? You're self sabotaging. Yeah, you're wasting life watching TV, like meanness TV, living watching other people live like an existence, and they'd be like asking themselves." Where's your purpose in life? Where's your whole great collective consciousness? They, they might be thinking like, why do we fight our brothers and sisters when you're all one? You know what I mean? Like, they, they'll be horrified by our detriment to the planet as well. Have you, have you seen, though, that um, the example of the, um, the story about the alien who goes in the nightclub for the first time? Ah, no. That's, no, really, that's really interesting. So just imagine, like, see an alien goes in a nightclub for the first time. It's... Um, has all these like people like dancing in these weird weird ways listening to this weird like music people are bumping and grinding against each other and then people are actually going to the counter and using like um this form of paper uh, currency they go to the bar give the bartender a bit of paper the bartender gives you some change back in the form of these little coins and paper and they also get like a um this like weird um liquid Mm-hmm. And this liquid sort of like people drink it, it makes you intoxicated. People are wobbling all over, and it's weird because the aliens see in this environment. It's like, what the hell is this environment? And the, the the aliens actually thinking that this environment makes people want to fight. It makes people want to fuck. <laughs> it's one of these sort of weird environments. The aliens like, what the hell? So just imagine the nightclub experience for an alien on the planet. <laughs> I think every single part of life would be a nightclub experience for an alien. It's so funny as well, though, when you're saying that. The alien race looking down at the planet and seeing um, us as human beings sort of like eating like crap foods and looking at how this planet actually provides us all the, these nutrients that we need and we're still like eating all these terrible foods and stuff. But I was actually thinking that one of the biggest things if I was if I was like from an outside perspective and I was an alien looking down at Earth and I was be looking at um, the water that people drink mm. and that we drink. So we paying like institutions to provide us water. And they're putting shit in the water, and we're paying for that. And when water is everywhere on this planet, like how have we not figured that system out properly? 
where we can actually have a, a fresh water uh, fresh water system where we can actually go and collect like real hundred percent like water that's actually dripped down on this planet. Well, what's that old saying? Like, um, the charges for air, but they just don't know how to do it yet. Yeah. Exactly. So if the charge is for water, the, like we have to pay for our own water. You know what I mean? We have to pay for the basic human rights of civilization. And that's crazy when you look at it like that. Um, you know as well. Before when I was talking about the Werner Heisenberg quote, though. Um, it's interesting because I've been thinking about that concept of like the compass. Mm-hmm. Now I was thinking in my head, like, why is why is it seem to be that the compass is like currently broken into like in society? Mm-hmm. And um. I was watching a video uh, a few days ago by Terence McKenna and he was talking about how the least among us lead us. Oh yeah, that's a good quote. Um, but why does, why does it seem to be that the least among us, among us do lead us? So it's, if you look at the society now, it seems to be the least intelligent, the least noble, the least visionary. Mm-hmm. They lead us. They lead us as a, as a people. Well, it's interesting how you say least visionary because I think they can see their vision quite clearly, but I don't think they can see a, the collective consciousness of humanity clearly enough. But can they see their own vision or are they seeing someone else's vision? That's an interesting point <laughs> as well, because who are, who's actually controlling the puppet? Exactly. You know what I mean? Is it obvious cause, obviously, you have to look at these large organisations, but does this person who's leading us have their own mind? And this is why I think people vote for Donald Trump, because he's like a person who looks like he... He runs with his own mind and he's not like a puppet figure. He looks like he's an individual who's went beyond the strings, if you know what I mean. It's interesting because something comes to my mind there when we're talking about Terence McKenna. Terence McKenna, um, he has another good famous quote. He goes, culture is not your friend. Have <laughs> you heard when he says that? I don't think I actually know. But I was thinking about this. And I was actually thinking, why is... Why is, why is culture not our friend? And I've been thinking about this. And I know when Terence McKenna was talking about this, he doesn't mean, just to like to give you the idea, mm-hmm. he wasn't meaning um, like modern, um, like mass, like consumerism, like culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So keep that keep that in mind. Because not all culture is bad. Oh, definitely not. I think a culture ex- can expand your mind if you really look for it. But I think that's the exposure to other cultures. A lot of people get blindsided by their own culture. And it's kind of manipulates your own identity in a way like you start to feel like you're an Englishman so you have to abide by English rules and English law and you become like you dress in this whole outfit where you feel appropriate in Mm -hmm. but that's your culture that's what you feel comfortable in just all these little traits culture gives you your whole characteristics of who you are it's like interesting though if you strip away every bit of culture what's left it's just the mind and human imagination so you get to decide then on who you truly are and who you truly are want to be. We've had this conversation before, but I don't know if you can fully strip away that culture mm-hmm. because yeah, I think you'd have to be like in a blank room. We've had this conversation before. Yeah, yeah. But there's things that we can do where you can like sort of like strip away the la- peel away the layers and replace the culture with like real things that you want to put in place. But it's interesting because I was thinking about this. Why? Why is culture not our friend? Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that. Um, Certain types of culture, like modern, like like modern mass, like consumerism, consumerism culture, that sort of like it's it's aimed at like serving like the, um, the institutions and manipulate the people. So it's like it's um, focused on like um, 
creating more um, more better situations for the wealthy, yeah. for, the, for the wealthy individuals. So they actually, so culture is obviously set up so it's, it dis- disempowers, like it disempowers you, mm-hmm. but it creates this uh, this situation where it makes you look at celebrities and f- you feel inferior. Inferior. I was going to say that's exactly what you. What's the point I was going to lead to? Is to preys on people's weaknesses, and people's biggest weaknesses is who they are. Mm-hmm. People don't know who they are, but they actually see what other people class as beautiful and they want to be that beautiful. So what they do then is the culture or the systems in place, they manipulate the system and they prey on people's vulnerability. So what they'll do then is, is the actual the market employees will be like, you want to look younger, take this. Yeah. You want to look beautiful, take this. <laughs> Slap. You want a six pack? Try this. <laughs> One hour a day machine. <laughs> <laughs> One hour a day. <laughs> um, you know, you're completely right because it actually it creates this system of people's minds where, like, it creates this false happiness. Mm-hmm. It try and creates these situations where it's going to give you this instant gratification, and um, it makes people change these chase these external objects that aren't going to make them happy. So it's like you want to buy this new car. Here's a shiny new brand new car. You need to chase this. Mm. Fifty years only take you fifty years to pay this off. Imagine if I said that in an advert instead. <laughs> oh yeah, how many people will buy a car then? <laughs> It'll only take you fifty years to pay this debt off. I found it quite interesting. You know, you know when I mentioned the ab one, I, I brought that one up because um, I was actually watching. Um, I don't know. It was just an advert that came on TV, and it was all about like this ab machine. And it was like, the revolutionaries ways to train your abs. And it was like this machine that turned and went down. I thought, bloody hell, that is a good machine. That, and I was thinking, and I was thinking, whoa, whoa, step back a bit, Chris. What are you actually watching here? Just because they got years and six packs, do you actually think they got them from like a machine like that, doing them for like 10 minutes a day? No. Do I actually think that they actually work hard? And do I actually really think they're smiling when they work on the yeah. machine? Because if you look, like they're smiling on the machine, like they're really happy when they're start, when they're using this machine. Nobody should be smiling when you're working out. You should be feeling that pain. See, that's the old uh, the old Chris's cultural mechanism coming back in place, thinking that you can actually coming back to come back in a play, thinking that you can actually get six pack abs from this like crappy <laughs> machine. What was that? What was that video again that we wa- uh, we watched? And um, the the booty was it the booty machine? Ah, oh, the booty oh, blaster. With the, with the black guy, what was it again? He's like for only thirty ninety nine, you can have you can have abs like my girls. Yeah, all, the, yeah, and, yeah, all them girls and all that. So, oh, what was that called? I'm sure it was booty blaster or something like that. The body, bl- I don't know. We'll have to find that and try and pull it on the show. Notes. That's so funny though when I showed you that the one. But it's interesting because um, it seems to be with the game of culture, we get we get caught up in the game of culture. So. It seems to be that I've thought about this loads of times, and this is the same for me as well. We're like these robotic machines that are walking around, like constantly just chasing like uh, these like false perceptions. Mm. So you're walking around like you, if you have you know like the the experience of and I, I know we both don't like this, but you know the experience of when you have to like you go to in a, in a, like a supermarket or you go to the experience where you go to like a shopping center or a mm. shopping mall. And then um, you walk in, and it's like all these robots are like um, getting these like fixes of like the dolphins, like looking at all these products. And it's like the machine, like <laughs> shiny, red, shiny, bright, shiny. Must buy female must, food. <laughs> must buy product. Will change my life for better. 
But it is though sometimes you do feel like a robotic machine and you feel like, like something inside you is like sort of seeing. It's very interesting. It's like pulling on the psychology of like the human, like um, the human mechanisms, isn't it? In the mind, sort of. Yeah. Like everything's, everything's, it's a complete weird, like, like this foreign environment that the human, the human body's not like ready for. And you walk through the shopman center and all these things are pulling on the strings of all your psychological like neurons in your mind. And it's pulling you left or right. Forward, backwards, all over. I think it's interesting that you said, like, we are these machines because, and we fall for these traps. But really, are these traps that I think they're actually programs? They're actual programs actually fought to trigger us. So maybe we don't have a choice in them. Well, that's what I said to you that these are, these are programs that we've written ourselves for ourselves. I know. That's, <laughs> that's what it's like. It's like we've written our own programs. And we've actually forgot we've written our programs ourselves. So everything that we're doing, so we're actually, so like I said, the shopping experience when you walk around the shopping centre, but before we've actually got to the shopping centre, you've already written your own programme before you even get to the shop. So the programmes that you're watching is right in your programme. So then when you go to the shops, that programme that you've been watching the telly when the adverts have been saying, buy this object, this is going to give you abs. So then you go to the shop and you're walking around and you're like, Abs, 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 abs. <laughs> oh, kebabs, kebabs, kebabs. <laughs> I think it's interesting though, like all the people who are, who are buying these like machines and that, and, and just playing in the minds of the vulnerable. A lot of them are always looking for a quick fix or or um, easy way out of um, of a lifetime problem. And I think that's a big t- topic that we should uh, address. Really, how do we actually like? Create our own culture. Create our own culture, yeah, exactly. Well, this is really interesting because I know I've mentioned Terence McKenna a lot, but he's, he's just perfect. He has loads of good uh, speeches. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because Terence McKenna talks about, he say, he actually says in the video that we must create our own culture and we need to create our own values and alternative spaces for like expression mm-hmm. to get out of that bubble. But it seems to be, if we're looking around all over the world now, like we are doing that. Like we, we know as me and you as people, we're mm-hmm. actually, we're doing that. And we know obviously a lot of listeners listen to this podcast. They're also creating their own mechanisms and trying to like create their own culture but it, it might seem though I thought about this because it like you know we used the example of like a like an alien looking at the planet mm-hmm. or even just looking at ourselves if say if we went in a spaceship and we looked at the the human collective like from far away mm-hmm. it might seem if we look at the planet it might seem that things are moving like slow but maybe they're only moving slow in terms of the human perception so remember last time on the last podcast when I this uh, the four seasons of life podcast where I give the example of the that technology of the, the the human experience the butterfly in the universe mm-hmm. and how the perceptions of time change through all them. It's really interesting because maybe things only look slow look slow moving in terms of our human perception, mm-hmm. but maybe from like a bigger from if you look at the if you t- use the example of the universe maybe the change on the planet and the change of like how the culture how the culture is changing. It's actually, it's actually like moving um, like a lot faster than you think. Yeah. But it's only, we only think it's slow moving because it's come from our human perception. It's very interesting. Like, and I think, Maybe. I think society itself is moving in a fast forward direction with the advancement of stuff like technology, medical science and um, scientific know-how, like you said before. I think these are evolutionary points that we're going to have to address and we're going to have to overcome when we're I'm not sure overcome is the right word maybe um, find a way to evolve with mm-hmm. you know what I mean like we need to start like embracing all these ideas like the internet and that and how we can actually use that is like 
to go into like one huge collective consciousness. But maybe, just thinking, maybe that's already happened now as we speak with the idea of Facebook, with the idea of, well, sorry, not with the, not with the idea of Facebook, with Facebook, mm-hmm. we are putting our consciousness out there. We are sharing ourselves. It seems to be though that the internet was created. The internet was created to sell us crap. But we've turned that on our head and used it for our advantage to mm-hmm. spread truth, to spread real knowledge, to spread real wisdom and create like the conscious change. But as well, it's interesting when I said about the human perception there because we seem, I don't know if I've touched on this before, but we seem to we seem to feel that like the average of like 75 years or 80 years, mm-hmm. it seems like a long time, but it might like in comparison to the universe, it's just a blip of time. And another example as well, um, I've thought about this before, but imagine, say if someone was um, was viewing, you know, the, the process of birth for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And just let's say an example, like a woman was on the corner, you know, on, the, on a street in distress, and she was like, having a baby. If someone never seen that situation before, they would view that situation as a bad one, because they would see the woman in distress, yet they wouldn't really understand that birth's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's true. And maybe humanity is currently going through that birth canal now and going through the birth process and something will come out beautiful at the end. That's really interesting, like that. It's interesting if because it's just all about perceptions in your mind, the way we actually create perceptions mm. and how that transcends into everything that we do in life. I think that goes down to um, your self-education as well, though, because I think this, uh, if you self-educate in the process of birth, You'll look at that and you'll see a woman giving birth. You know what I mean? But obviously, like, if you're not... Obviously, if you're not um, educated in the process, you'll see a woman in pain and agony and be like, I must do something. But then again, if you're more consciously aware and you will understand the beauty of birth, but you'll also see a woman giving birth on the street, which is heartbreaking. You'll also see a woman without a mat where a husband or a father there for the birth of that child where's that child going to be given like there's so much heartbreak as well in it so I think if you're more more consciously open then I think you do see a lot of the both sides of the pictures it's not just black and white it's it's great I loved I loved how you said education because like that process there if you educate if you're educated on that then you understand that and that's really I loved how you said that but here's something right in Currently in society now, we seem to be, I thought about this, we seem to be changing like the gears in society, right? But we actually really need to change the machine. Hmm. So I was I was going to ask you something, right? How can we actually change the machine? Because this is obviously one big question I've been asking myself, how do we change that machine? But how can we like shift the current paradigm, let's say, and um, like create a real revolution? And when I, say, when I say the word a real revolution, some people might think instantaneously that's like, Everyone going out and fighting on the streets, mm-hmm. but it's not about that. It's it's like not fighting on the streets. This, there's a lovely uh, quote that, that puts this like so perfect, and it, this always comes back in my life all the time. And it's a quote by Sun Tzu at the book Art of War, but it, he talks about the art of war without fighting. Oh yeah, I've got something to see on that one as well. I think that's that's really interesting. But uh, to get back to your original point and how we can shift the paradigm and create like this revolution. I think that is such a huge, huge topic that we actually do need to address because most people think in order to change something so big and create a revolution that it must start from someone who's a lot more wiser. But the truth is to create like a huge revolution, 
It all starts inside the mind. It all starts with an idea. In this revolution, when it when it's matched with an idea, that idea becomes purpose, and that purpose becomes like fuel. And this fuel is the for a meaningful life. For the meaningful life is the revolution. So, just even just little things like a smile can change the whole perception on somebody else's face. Like a kind word and a care. Like these are slight actions which we take for granted. But it'll change your life as well as change other people's lives. Like, you can make a difference every day. Every day can be a revolution if you just allow it in your own mind. But you need to be on that level where you want to be doing better for other people. And see, that comes back to the art of war without fighting. Because they all play back into that that uh, that scenario of the art of war without fighting. It's like not about, as I said before, it's not about going on the streets and like shooting someone or beating someone up to try and get your point across. Mm-hmm. Because... Aggression is a sign of weakness, and you can't you can't do that. It needs to be like trickery. It needs to be like you need to use clever trickery to actually beat your opponent. Yeah. And what's better than a smile? Exactly. What takes it, when people are angry? What calms the situation? What a calm mind. You can't fight fire with fire. You know what I mean? It's so exactly. simple. And I think sorry, I was going to say, I I remember actually watching this thing about Bruce Lee. And have you seen it on End of the Dragon? Yeah, the art of war without fighting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the art of war without fighting. When um, the guy's on the boat, and um, this bully, and he's an, one of the fighters that's going to the tournament, and um, he's messing around with people on the boat. He's throwing people's um, food and that around, bullying all the um, all the all the workers on the boat, and. Um, but then he starts like he sees Bruce Lee, and he scores over, and he starts like tra- like punching. Just um, outside of his range of comfort, and he's like, "I'm a barber on you." <laughs> and he goes, Bruce Lee just turns and looks at him and goes, "Don't waste yourself." <laughs> and the guy goes, um, "Watch your style." And uh, Bruce Lee goes, "My style? It's ca- it's called the art of fighting without fighting." <laughs> and then this guy goes, um, "The art of fighting without fighting? Show me some." And Bruce Lee goes. Later, and uh, the guy puts his hand on Bruce Lee's shoulder when Bruce is just about walking in. He goes, and Bruce looks at him. Okay, don't you think we need a bit more room? And the guy goes, Where else? And he goes, and Bruce Lee points at this island. And goes, That island on a beach. We can take this boat. So the guy goes, Okay. So he gets on the boat. This guy, his little dingy thing, and then. Instead of getting in the boat with him, Bruce just lets the line go. So the line's like going into the water. The water. And this is brilliant because the brand, the kids <laughs> who was it, he was bullying, you give the, um, the rope to them and they start like putting water in his boat and stuff like that by pulling on the yeah. rope. I think it's just so funny, but it also highlighted the whole understanding of you don't need a fist to fight. To fight. You just need the idea. You need the idea in the mind, and the idea can create purpose. And this is what's so beautiful right now. Exactly, that's what I like about the because the example that you give there was so funny, by the way, as well. <laughs> but it, it's so interesting because, like you said, it's about it's about tricking your opponent, like in a dinghy. It's about it's like using your your mind, like a psychological warfare to beat your uh, you beat your opponent. But it's interesting because in that situation there, like Bruce Lee, he wasn't he wasn't actually afraid of like fight him, but he actually just. He realised that there was no point in fighting him just to prove a point. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the really that's the big point out of that because he knows he can beat him, but he'd rather teach him a lesson. 
Yeah, and I think we all need to be taught a lesson in, in that sense of the word. I think it's. I think when you've understood that humility, I think you start to be. Whoa! Like who? Who was I? Who was I before? Mm-hmm. And I thought. I think you actually gain a different perception of life than a person who's just going to get an ass whipping and just feel more fuel to that fire. It's interesting because Bruce Lee had the ability in his mind to actually go above the cultural mechanisms because these cultural mechanisms are actually sort of like in society now we have these things that if you're confronted with violence, your, your cultural mechanism actually says, oh, you confront violence with violence. But he had the ability in his mind to actually rise above that and he used his own like, he used his own wits in his mind and he had the, he's still in that moment where the aggression would normally take over your body. Mm. He had the, like, the, the will and the capacity to outthink his opponent still in that moment. And that's the art of war without fighting. Yeah, that is the art of war. That is the true art of war without fighting. And what's interesting about it, it is, if you think about it, it's like a sort of like an emotional alchemy. Because you've got to actually master that moment. You know what I mean? You've got to be the master of your own self in that moment. Mm-hmm. To get a grip of the situation before he actually escalates into violence, and that's what Bruce Lee was doing on the boat, and I think that's, that's so beautiful. Here's something I want to ask you as well, right? Who do you actually think would right win winning a fight out of Bruce Lee or Donald Trump? Um, a fight of the mind, or a fight in general? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if it's a fight in the mind, it's both though, because will Bruce Lee have a fight, and will he just use his mind? I think Bruce Lee might just be able to beat him with just using his mind. I think Bruce Lee, though, he comes from a different understanding of life than Donald Trump. And I think Bruce Lee has this more, you know, I think Bruce Lee had this more beautiful understanding of when you physically used your body, right? In a sense, you've pushed it to its limit. You've studied martial arts for years and years. You've I hate the word mastery, but you've kind of mastered the art. You've even created your own style in Jeet Kune Do. This is so much more revolutionaries than what Donald Trump has done with his own body. Mm-hmm. When your body's in motion, your mind's in motion. And just look at it in the sense of Donald Trump right now, is his mind in motion as much as his body? His mind is maybe going like 90 miles an hour, but his body's not. So I think... So I think, in the sense of Bruce Lee has a more understanding of who he is than yeah. Donald Trump is. Here's something, right? So Donald Trump might have built a business, mm-hmm. but he hasn't built a system where he understands his body. Yeah. And what would you rather have? Because I know what I'd rather have. What is real mastery of your of the, of life? Is it building a business or is it mastering yourself? And it seems to me that Donald Trump's not someone who's mastered himself. Exactly. Bruce Lee has it has it has done that, and I was actually thinking, right? Um, so who wins in a fight, Dan? He's interesting, <laughs> right? So I was actually thinking, what a right hook from Donald! What uh, <laughs> Trump back over to Bruce? <laughs> but I was actually thinking, um, it goes into sort of what you said before about looking at them, actually just like looking at them as two individuals, mm-hmm. and. What type of leader would I want to look up to? And that's how that's how I ask myself this question because a leader for me is someone who actually has proper cultural awareness of every 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 situation. And actually, like you said before, when I said when I said you the example of who would I rather what I'd rather do have a business or understand my body, and and I would rather have a leader that understands the body mind and spirit connection. That's what I really th- think. Mm. And most importantly, knows thyself. That's the most important thing. And 
actually is a leader of themselves, not just trying to be a leader of people. Yeah. Because first and foremost, the leader's got to be a leader of themselves before like, you can be a leader of other people. I was going to say, like, you're right, like, Dan, but um, definitely I agree. I think, I think business isn't the enemy. I think the mind is. And, like, when we, when we talked about on education before, I think it all comes back to just educating yourself on the importance of of the body, mind, and spirit. And then if you progress into business, you can give this business all these different avenues. Imagine what Donald Trump would be like if he if he mastered the art of mind, business, and, and the art and the soul, the connection that he would give with so many people because he could reach on their level. Right now, he's on a different stratosphere. He's on this, like, billionaire frequency, and he feels out of touch with all of, like, culture right now. Obviously not, because so many people voted for him, mm-hmm. but in a sense, like... Which is also arguable. A sense in, like, yeah. In a, <laughs> but in a sense, he's... Is he really going to be working nine to five for 40 years? Does he understand that? Nah, he doesn't. Yeah. Here's something, though, because I want to go back, because when you asked us, I didn't really answer, ask, answer your question about who would win in a fight out of Bruce Lee and Donald Trump. <laughs> I was actually thinking that um, Donald Trump... Uh, sorry, Bruce Lee would actually trick uh, Donald Trump into building a wall around himself. So Donald Trump would be like, hey, let's build a wall. And uh, Bruce Lee would turn around and be like, ah, you want to build a wall? Ah, we'll build a wall. Yeah, I'll help you build a wall. So then Bruce Lee actually like tricks Donald Trump into building a wall around himself. And um, they'd hit you from all angles, Donald. Yeah, yeah. Build everywhere. And like Donald Trump's like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and uh Bruce Lee just turns around and goes, ah, the real enemy is within the wall, not around the wall. <laughs> Bruce would have an awesome quote like that, wouldn't he? Here's something as well, Dan. Like, it's very interesting. But who do you think would actually run a country better? Bruce Lee or Donald Trump? And like I said, like I said before, right? Mm-hmm. As well, when I said, what type of leader would I want? That's how I, that's how I sort of that's how I changed this angle in my head there when I thought of it. And like I said before, it's someone who's it's a leader who's actually got cultural awareness and is aware of everything's and knows thyself because like I said before a leader needs to know themselves first foremost and I don't say that in Donald Trump I don't think he knows himself what Bruce Lee did so if I wanted a leader leader of people and leader who'd run me mm-hmm. they're going to understand all them elements and they're going to actually be a leader of themselves before they can be a leader of all the people so in that case situation Donald Trump just goes out of the picture because Bruce Lee is a leader of himself. He knows thyself. So Bruce Lee, who would you who would you say? Donald Trump, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um I think you hit the nail on the head. I was gonna actually say the same type of um thing to be honest. I'm just gonna go once you've like mastered who you are, you can then master others. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, um in the realms of who they are, Donald Trump really is lost in the idea of who he who he is. Like he's got so many different identities. Like, and I think when you have these too many different identities, you get lost on what the true mask really is. Mm-hmm. And but it makes me wonder as well. Like, who out of all the leaders we've had have really known who who they are instead of the agenda of anyone else? Mm-hmm. 
I like that. And it's interesting because I know I've used Terence McKenna a lot on this, but he has so many great examples, right? But Terence McKenna has a has a quote, right, where he says, um, he, there seems to be this like um, dominant uh, culture in society when it comes to leaders. Mm-hmm. And he speaks about how, this was beautiful when he said this, where he put it, but he talks about how real leaders and real teachers are not in the hive of society. He says, try a waterfall, try a mushroom, try a mountain. And he said it's not about like having, like it was talked about before, it's not about someone having like a celebrity status to look up to. It's not about someone who is actually like a leader of people. And he was talking about how authority isn't even real. Mm. And that'll lead you in the wrong place. And that's so beautiful when he said just look at a mountain, use a mountain, use a waterfall. They're the real teachers of life. Wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. It is beautiful. Like. And it is, it's so, that's so true though because nobody knows shit. In lead, all the, like even even me as myself as well. I don't know shit, but leaders believe they know shit, and they're trying to like lead people into the direction that they believe is right. But if they just come from the perspective of the mind that they actually, they actually don't know shit, and that's that's the perspective. That so who knows from. something? No one. Oh. A waterfall. The a mushroom. What? <laughs> <laughs> a lake. A mountain. I think only. I think there's something beautiful in that quote. Like um. The less you know, the more you know, sort of thing. And um, what I think as well, I think when you study all these different books and you start to try and get an understanding of the world, and yeah, you do find like the less you know, the more you do know about all these these um, environments and cultures. But then again, it's not about all the other cultures that you're actually trying to understand. It's trying to understand you. Yeah. It's trying to understand your environment when you actually get put into these cultures, who you are as a person. Every single thing on culture is to help you find out who you are as a person if you really look and try and open up the big picture. And this is what we don't see right now is we see in everything in like this tiny little box. We can't see outside this box. Mm -hmm. We just see in the shiny object like the crow. Mm -hmm. We need to start looking at this big picture. We need to start seeing the beauty we need to start finding out like all these products are here for like to help us understand who we are that's that's the whole game is to understand who we are and do you know what that comes back to as well though I thought about this and when I was talking about the beauty of like the more you coming from the perspective in your mind the more you know the more you don't know because it, that's all about control letting go of control and when you do let, con- let go of that control that's when you really do find yourself because People are actually wanting control of, over others, and people are also wanting to control and feeling control themselves. Mm. But you, when you, when you do let go, and like you said, you know yourself, you start trusting yourself, you become your own leader. I think all these people, Daniel, um, who don't have control of who they are, and they're in control of others, that just leads to chaos. Because you've got a chaotic mind that doesn't understand the full exit, full understanding of power. And you've got people who are vulnerable. So when in that sense of the word, this is what's terrifying. And only until we have a leader who can really master themselves, master their own identity, and understand more on who they are than, than what the agenda is for other people. They can lead then, other people. Then they can lead, yeah, exactly. I liked how you said that because that raises a point to me that the real change 
must begin with the human being first, like not out. It, the change isn't going to come with outward structure. It's going to be within you. Mm-hmm. And um, to really, when we're talking before about shifting the paradigm, to really shift that paradigm and create a revolution, that goes back to what we were talking about before, like the art of fighting without fighting. Mm-hmm. And it's about becoming that sponge, absorbing the worst the system can give you, absorbing the worst the system can dish out here, and then overcoming it with your own imagination. Yeah. And and what this comes down to is I've been thinking about this. It, it's actually, a re- it's, what happens is it's a real psychological revolution in your mind. Mm-hmm. And well, like we talked about before, the art of fighting without fighting. This is like a physical revolution creates confusion for people. Mm-hmm. It might like change something for a couple of days, but a psychological uh, revolution creates a real revolution that lasts forever and ripples down to other generations yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic, man. And I think you're right, Dan. Like, we need to start making these changes now for the rest of humanity. But then again, we also need to keep looking at not just, like, uh, the future, but just need to stick with the present. So each day is going to be a psychological battle. Mm-hmm. Every day is going to be a psychological revolution, especially because the mind, it, it's either. It's... it's uh, Sorry, the mind is however you want to perceive it. If you perceive the mind is so powerful, it will be so powerful. But if you believe the mind's fragile and it's very susceptible to um, all everything that the society's been given to you, then you will fall into the same traps. So right now, the psychological revolution is to strengthen this mind to a point, not where we can master everything, but not even to the point where we master ourselves, but to the point where we can actually just be in the present moment where we are aware of every surroundings that we have i like that i really do like that okay then say something right so how can we actually start a a real like psychological revolution in our minds like what are some things that that mean you did Mm. because one of the to jump in straight away one of the most important things that i did was obviously to gain self-knowledge Gain self-knowledge of yourself and work on yourself to become become the change yourself. And I know we've talked about this before, but that quote, you know, know thyself. Mm-hmm. Um, like what a quote that is because it's just so perfect because um, if you do think about it, the journey's not about trying to understand like this external reality. Like it's not about trying to understand the system itself. It's actually about trying to just understand yourself. Yeah. I love that. And I love the idea of never really mastering yourself. And that always leaves room for improvement. It yeah. always leaves room for, like, surprise. Because so I think a beauty of life is surprise. And I think, as well, when we talk down the road of self-education, that, to me, like, is goes beyond anything that school ever taught you. Like, when you actually look inside, you've got no... Nobody's telling you to go to a class for an hour. You actually, like, you're there. You're in the moment, as long as you please. You can study as long as you please. You can take in it at your own time, at your own pace. But the self-education will always begin when you're ready for it. And if you, this is the point now where we need, a, if we really want to start a psychological revolution, we need to be ready to self-educate ourselves. And we need to be like really listening to topics like such as this to really expand our minds. See, the only way, I liked how you said that, because the only way you are going to, like, when you do go on, on the journey of seeking knowledge, the only way you're going to really, like, take that information is if you really want to be there seeking it. Mm. So you need to actually cultivate something in your mind, like, cultivate that drive to, like, to seek, to seek. 
because when you're in the when you're in the seat and it becomes a part of you, you don't you don't have it. It's not something you're forcing on yourself to seek information because you're getting that drive. You find one bit of information and your mind's like firing all over the place, and it's and it's like where can I go next? Where can I go next? Yeah, it is as well, and that's what's fascinating about because the, the mind's like an untamed horse. It just yeah, yeah. it's it's in a, like a field where it's just gonna gallop everywhere, <laughs> man. But, but then again, that's a beautiful thing because you never want to tie the horse down. You love seeing the, the mind express itself, and that's that's what's beautiful about it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. what's a, what's a what's a horse if it's in a field? You want to let that horse gallop. You want to be like a floor. That's the interesting thing, though. The horse might be in a field, but the mind's not in a field. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. And the, and the mind hasn't got a fence around it. Has it not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, it has. It has a little bit, actually. Yeah, it has. When you, that's a good way to think about it, actually. It actually we has need- got a fence around it because the fence is the things that are placed around us in the society to sort of, like, protect us from asking them bigger questions. But here's something, though. But what I'll happens But what happens when that fence is smashed down? This is what's interesting. This is where we need to be the rider of this horse. Yeah, like that. we need to control where this stallion will gallop. And if we we can be the best horse rider ever, but if we can't let our horse leave the field, then there's no point even being there. But if we can take charge of our mind and really gallop into these different realms of thought and actually progress, then we are actually going to build something unreal. Well, that is the real psychological revolution. But we need to be this incredible horse rider who can master this untamed horse in the mind and if we can master that wow I think we'll, we'll, we're all uh, we're all horse riders <laughs> um, how good can you ride a horse <laughs> um, what was I going to say again um, but I think that comes back to um, to do that to ride your horse in the right way it, it's, uh, it's a good way to put it actually but it comes back to educating yourself and seeking information and seeking knowledge outside the realm of like um like official culture and mainstream mainstream media, and obviously I know on our journey as well that what you do is you start questioning everything. Like even start questioning what's me and you talking now. Start question. I question you. You question me. What I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Then the listeners question both of us, and you question everything. You've got to keep doing that in your journey. You've got to be humble with that though as well. Do you ever get to a point where you feel like you need to just start accepting? Accepting what? Like accepting like what society will give you and stuff like that, or do you always need to feel like you have to question everything in society? Never. Always question everything. Always question everything. Even question everything from the greatest leader of all time. Wow. I think it does put you. I think you're right. Like it does put your mind into these different realm of thought. And what's to what's wrong with life? If you're asking questions, it shows like how much you're actually willing to learn and listen. Exactly. If you if you stop asking questions, you stop growing. Mm. Because if you just settle on something, that's it. You think you've you've mo- you've you've hit the right mold and who you want to be. Yeah. But you need to keep asking them questions because just think of just think of like um the the take a lake for example. The la- a lake's always changing all the time. So you've got to be that lake. You've got to constantly be changing, adapting all the time. Like sometimes the the, the tides like um rough. Sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes the water is cold. Sometimes it's warm. You've got to be able to mold yourself into them different areas. As Bruce Lee once said, <laughs> "Be water, my friend." <laughs> yeah, like, like, it's perfect that as well. <laughs> be like water. But I think as well something, um, a big part of uh, my journey as well, which part of my added as well, to create this like psychological um, 
revolution was to be your own investigative journalist of everything. Like I said, that ties into that question everything as well. But you've got to build your like your own internal compass. I think you, I think as well though, Dan. You you hit them, you're right there. But then again, I think you need to find out what truly matters to you first, because we can investigate everything, but yet, but yet still feel lost in our purpose. But if you have a sense of purpose and passion and interests, and you follow them, that's just going to end that. Enhance who you are more. See though, if you like, if I thought about this, if you just start the journey, like say like I used the example of the compass. See if you just start building that compass. <clears throat> just do whatever you can. If if the first stage of the building that compass is just you training your body, or you just start to eat healthy foods, mm-hmm. or just listen to one podcast a week, something like that. The thing is about the compass, you can always pause that compass whenever you want and change direction. Mm-hmm. So it's about just getting that compass ticking. That's interesting. That like. That is really interesting. I think as well, you got to look at where, the, like you said before, where the compass is ticking. And then again, it comes down to, is this truly right? Is this compass pointing in the right direction where I want it to be? See, and the, that's where it comes down to purpose as well. See, the, the more you um, the more you build that internal like compass or, or whatever you want to call it, internal guidance system, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. the more you start believing in yourself, Sorry, the more you start building that compass, the more you start believing in yourself. Yeah, you're true. And then that'll lead you on your next path of your journey. It's like I always thought, like, um, I've always lived by a saying called um, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, like that. It means like, you, you, you're going in too many different areas that like, you can never fully focus and be in the, be on one set um, project. And I think life, we can, we can go in many different directions but we can never go in two ways at once. Like we can either go forward and go backwards, side to side, but we can never go all different directions at once. And so once you've found a path, follow that path. And if you feel like this path no longer serves you, turn off, go See, left. The beautiful thing about that path though as well, when you start going down that path, that's what leads you in all the different directions. So it doesn't matter what it is on that path. You, you can always take it and it just, you don't even know where it's going to take you. That's the beautiful thing about it. And going down the rabbit hole. Exactly. That's the beautiful thing about it. Here's something that I want to ask you, right? Mm-hmm. How can we, how did you like actually create an environment of self-education for yourself? Like, so how did you create an environment in your day-to-day life where you could seek information and seek knowledge outside of the realm of like official culture and mainstream media? Ah, to me, it was getting to a point where it wasn't actually looking for self-education. It was actually looking for a way out. That's how I felt. Um, I felt I was living this like meaningless life. This life, sorry. Um, and I wanted to expand it more. I wanted to really like, I, I knew there was something better for us than, than what I was doing. And so the idea of self-education just became, started with me walking down the street, then running to a lamppost. And then running from like three lampposts. And I know that's on about me moving my body and not like a self-education. But that to me was my self-education. Me changing my body changed my mind. And when my mind changed, then I started looking into, into stuff like podcasts. I started looking into books. And I started really exploring my mind. Not like I, I felt like I'd master my body. I felt like, but my body gave us a start. Yeah. But that's the thing, you're never, you're never going to master your body. You've got to be humble with that. And obviously, I know you know that as well. Mm. But the thing is as well, 
like you said, I liked how you said like little simple things because for me, it was the same for me. I started just by turning off the TV. What proper pushed you? What made you think, hell with this, like I need change? <sighs> See, I've always, I've always felt this drive inside of us to want more. Yeah. I've always, deep within, I've always felt it. I've always felt that there's, I've always had this internal like, um, this internal thing inside of us, I can't explain it, but there's this internal thing that's in deep in, root right inside me, like in my, in my body, that is a good judge of what you, is what, what I'm doing. So say if there was a time where I wanted to play on the PlayStation, obviously that's a few years back, but, mm-hmm. and then there's also something, a voice inside of us saying, this is not right, you shouldn't be doing this. There's, there's better uh, ways in the day to be serving your time. So there's always that voice inside of you. It's like sort of um, pointing you in the right direction, but it's just about being able to listen to that voice. And I yeah. think on my journey, what I've been able to do is is listen to that voice loads. So obviously you know me, like obviously with my nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like I never steer off course. But the reason, one of the reasons why I never steer off course with my nutrition for is because that little voice inside my head is saying, don't do it. It's not worth it. But when you listen to that voice, you start building a relationship with that voice better and better every single wow. day and that's what that's what builds it up wow man that's fantastic and I tell you one thing like, I was not expecting that answer but um, the more you the more you spoke there the more I felt like I understood because I understand like we all have this this inner voice but then a lot of people's inner voices become an inner critic and you never become a friend with an inner critic mm-hmm. but you are on a different path you're on this wavelength where you, you are one with your mind in a sense, whereas you used to work together, your body is working with your mind for like for this outcome. Yeah. This outcome. See, though, anyone can do that. Though anyone can cultivate that. It just takes time. Like on my journey, it's just t- it's took time for me to like cultivate that. Like those times in my journey where I wouldn't listen to that voice, but that voice creeps in more and more, and it gives you chances. It opens a door for you to connect with it. You've got to like you've got to silence your inner critic. That's what you've got to do. You you've. You yourself, Dan, you've had critics in your own mind where you go, ah, oh, come on, man, I don't want to do this today. I'd, look, that was your mind being like, that was the part of your mind where it's like, come on, Dan, let's go out and sit on the couch. Let's put that film on. You know you watched it. You know you want to watch yeah. it. Or in all the reviews. <laughs> but but then there's part of you where there's the bigger self in the mind which goes, no, we are working out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my moment. This yeah. is not yours. This is mine. Was that's that- what, oh, sorry, I was just saying, that is a good, that's a good point to start the psychological revolution is actually building the relationship with your own mind. With your own voice? Yeah, with your own inner voice. So but was there anything else that you did? What, like, So I'll give us a couple of examples of things that I did as well. So even just like something simple, like just turn off your TV. So instead of, instead of uh, listening to the TV, put a podcast on, put some on education that's going to expand your mind and stretch your like mind. Yeah. Um. Being, was there anything else that you started doing? Being present, very in the moment. Um, I tried it with nearly everything, and especially with just sitting in in a med- in meditation. I felt um, that really transformed me, my mind. And right at the start of it, I felt all I could hear was in my mind was just chat, 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 chat. But even after like a couple of months, like the voice, the chats become less and less frequent. They still happen. But you just accept that, that that that's how the working mind yeah. works. But it's also f- beautiful when you just find that peace of mind. 
And now you try to find that with everything. You Honestly, you really look at life in this whole peaceful big world. And that, to me, that was like the ultimate step in... Once you silence everything in there, you see everything more clearly. I liked how you said meditation because that was something I did as well, sort of creating like a meditation space. And I don't mean necessarily making like a meditation space in one spot in the house. What I mean by creating a space is is creating space within your own life for it. So meaning, like I said before, instead of before you go to bed, have like a curfew in your mind so that you know before you go to bed, you're going to do 10 minutes of just 10 minutes. It doesn't even have to be meditation, just be breathing. Just start, just focusing on your breath. And that, that also helps you sleep, but it also helps everything else in your life. Yeah, it uh, it does completely change everything. It changes your relationships. It changes who you are as a person. It changes even your commute to work. People look, people um, who are driving a bit more chaotic than you, you think that person's just... On because, a you know journey. what I think it allows you to do as well when you do create a ritual like that to create this like psychological revolution in your mind because what it does, it allows you to analyse your thoughts and allows you like to think of your day. So I like doing this when I go to bed in the night time. Even if it's just like I'm quite, I'm quite sort of like strict to me with my mind. So I'll sort of like it'll not just be ten minutes of me; it'll be like half an hour. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like giving it like for someone else, even if it's just five minutes, just for you to be alone with your thoughts for five minutes with no like sensory input put or no like external distractions from your family members or sounds or whatever it is. You just alone with your thoughts, you can actually analyze what you've done in the day, what's been good and what's been bad. Mm-hmm. And you take that forward in the next day. That's a really interesting point of looking at life, Dan. And a lot of people don't never self-assess like that. And, and if you do if you do, do that and you start analysing yourself, that's what creates this real revolution because it creates a revolution within you and then you start can spread that revolution on other people, which yeah. is interesting about that. But something else as well, um, which which was a big thing I mentioned before, but I didn't realise this when I first started the journey of like sort of self-education but actually what you eat and how you live affect how you think and feel wow. and that's a big that's, that's a huge one because people actually don't realize i know we've talked about this on the podcast before but just to touch on it again people don't actually realize that like food is this food is this doorway to the mind you start you start getting healthy habits by eating food it clears out your body clears, rinses out all these toxins in your mind and yeah. you start seeing things much more clearly you're exactly right. And I've found this exact same journey. I'll tell you an interesting thing as well. Another point I want to bring up as well is actually um, networking, talking to friends like we do. Like we get together, we have get togethers as well with close friends. Yeah. And we have like, we call them conspiracy nights, don't we? Yeah, when we re- put a video on and just like watch it. Yeah, and we'll just, ex- we'll just go through and just explain certain stuff about what's come up in the video. But what I think is good about that is when you can have like a, a group of people who you can actually get together with every now and again, it keeps you sane because you're thinking about certain concepts throughout your day by yourself when you're going around your day-to-day goings. Mm-hmm. And then you, when you get together with your friends or whatever day it is on a weekend or something like that and you start discussing, discussing these topics, it keeps you sane and it, it, it shows that you're not just on the journey by yourself and you can, you can actually sort of um, um, analyse the things that you're thinking in your mind and then give their point of view on it. You're kind of forgetting that. I, a lot of people kind of forget how important relationships truly are. And how much um, this plays into the right environment. See what I think. What I think is interesting as well, because it's one part of my journey as well. Was because see, awareness is the first step of change. Obviously, we know that, right? Mm-hmm. But 
a lot, a lot of times. So you, we have your close friends who you can talk to about certain things like this. Mm-hmm. Then you have other friends who you sort of just got to try and test the water with them. So you throw a few things in to try and see if they can like have these deeper discussions. Yeah. But in that process, what I've learned, it's not about like sort of like pushing that, pushing them boundaries too far and like pushing that envelope too far. Mm-hmm. It's just about like sort of like sprinkling them little seeds and like throwing little things in and see if they're ready for the next conversation, next part of the conversation. That's very interesting, isn't that, like something that we do miss actually. And it's quite funny because um, there's a quote actually I wrote it, I wrote it down right and it says um, I was reading it before. It's really interesting. It's in relation to what I said there and it says. Um, it says, your work is not to drag the world kicking and screaming into this new awareness. Your job is to simply do the work secretly and silently and those with eyes to see and ears to hear will respond. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. It just really sums up all that journey of you can't just go around just preaching to people. You've got to do it like it goes back to the art of fighting again. You've got to do it cleverly. You've got to use your imagination to actually wake your family members up. People don't want to be changed. People want to change themselves, but they don't want someone to change them for them because they they then they take the credit for it in their own in that person's mind. They see the other person as the one who changed them, whereas if they see themselves being the in the essence of change, they get the glory. I know it's like a simplistic way of looking at it, but it is. It's true. Yeah, I like that. I do like that. So here's something I want to ask you: What advice would you give to someone who is like realizing things need to change like post-revolution let's say because a big problem that we face in society now it's actually difficult to like sort of expand your focus and start seeking when people are just like trying to survive like people are just trying to make ends meet so what would you say to that like for that person to do in that position it's very interesting because a person in that position will probably not be looking at um in the essence of like their own mind they're always just going to be like looking externally yeah looking externally looking for that next piece of food looking for the next paycheck whatever it is but so the best advice I'd probably see in that situation is just find yourself a mirror like look deep look hard into your eyes look into the eyes of whoever you're staring back at you and then just say to that person who's staring at you what is it I can do today that will make me proud of this life I like that then just find a piece of paper Write down your answer, then write away on how to do it, and just go and fucking do it. Yeah. Why? Why do we have to beat around the bush? I like I like that. And when you said that, I got shivers there on my body when you said that. But it's interesting because you know even just the process when you said there about looking in the mirror. I've actually been doing a process of that lately, where for like fifteen minutes a day or ten minutes a day, I'll stare at myself in the mirror, mm-hmm. and it's a weird transition that happens between you and your sort of like inner self. It's it's weird because you sort of your whole. Your whole like human vessel, your whole like body, and your whole meat like yeah. suit just dissolves. I think it's sorry, man. And you ask it, you, you start asking yourself like, who the hell is this looking looking back at me in the mirror? Like when you look at yourself in the mirror long enough, obviously, obviously you're looking at your external self. But the longer you look, you find your internal self, and that's why I think everyone needs to take a very deep, hard look into the mirror. I like that, and I think as well, just to bring this, bring the podcast end as well. I would just say, if someone is in that, in that loop where the because we do run these loops all the time, where you just you're running these loops where you think in your mind we're just trying to survive, which some people are in, in the society. It's hard, yeah. it's hard, it is hard times. But I think really think that, and I had the same problem as well. But I think you've just got to find time to educate yourself, no yeah. matter what. You've got to, you've got to make, you've got to make time for it, because. 
the thing is, the problem, if you do think about the bigger picture, the problem isn't the lack of time, it's the lack of priorities. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to make sure in your mind that you do everything, everything in your power to just make even one minute. And that'll turn into two minutes, it'll turn into three, it'll turn into four, it'll turn into five. Before you know it, you forgot about all your problems. Wow. Well, oh, brilliant answer that. And that's probably a good note to leave the podcast on. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so peace and love. Uh, peace, everyone. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope this conversation gives you strength to go out there and create your own art of war and strengthen your body, mind and spirit. And also as a little bonus and to see this podcast out, I'm going to play a song called Sun Tzu by one of my favourite artists in the world called Akala. And I actually went to see him live to perform a few months back and this man is the real deal and a real artist speaking about real wisdom and truth. So anyway, we will catch you next week in the next episode. Peace. Any which way some of you wanna come true. I'm ready for you, last Sun Tzu. Ready for you, last Sun Tzu. Ready for you, last Sun Tzu. Any which way some of you wanna come true. I'm ready for you, last Sun Tzu. Ready for you, last Sun Tzu. Ready for you, last Sun Tzu. Fighting without fighting. But fighting when you need to, it's appealing with peaceful but demons If we need to, equal whatever you bring, we'll meet you This sport is a war with a discourse, which far bred horse make it through this course Which MC should I do up for this course? Same energy, known for the sick tours, no hype man Breath control, call the track, I do the same thing live Can't do that, oh bless your soul You ain't ready for the Shaolin vibes Wake up when it's still dark in the sky with a heart for the grind And a heart full of rhymes and the sharpest of lines And a spark of the mind so bright that I'm leaving and partially blind Any which way some of you wanna come true I'm ready for you like Sun Tzu Ready for you, last on two. Ready for you, last on two. Any which way, some of you wanna come true. I'm ready for you, last on two. Ready for you, last on two. Ready for you, last on two.
It's living in an all white town from a toddler. Go after your body does half when the honor us. But you gotta tell them that your past one and follow is a class for the coroners. Who the rats wanna collar us? Kill weight, way past colorers. Look at all the revelers, look at what a rebel does. Seckle, metal can't settle us, dope. But the CIA can't peddle us, no. We go for the folk where you're telling us choke. On a little hope that you're selling us joke. I take Britain like Severus Coke. It's the occult and it's element they wanna rain high, but we come to be levelers. We know the design and we're done with it.